Thanks for joining my Smart Smile podcast, where the goal is to help you get the grade and the name RDH. I'm your host, Amanda Shoemaker. On this episode, I will be discussing last-minute important details to recall as a dental hygienist if you are studying for your upcoming board exam. Emergency situations. What drugs to use? Okay, so for anaphylaxis, uh, which is a severe allergic reaction, so the patient would have trouble breathing, uh, we're going to use epinephrine. If the patient is experiencing a mild to moderate allergic reaction, uh, the emergency drug would be Benadryl or diphenhydramine. If the patient is experiencing an adrenal crisis, the emergency drug is hydrocortisone. If the patient is having an asthma or resp- asthma attack or respiratory distress, um, they would use their rescue inhaler, which is albuterol, also called Ventolin. If your uh, patient is experiencing chest pain, we would use nitroglycerin. It's also called nitrostat. If our diabetic patient is experiencing hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, we're going to use glucose or an oral carbohydrate to um, help them feel better. If the patient is having a seizure, we're going to use diazepam or Valium as the emergency drug. If your patient is uh, fainting, they have fainted, which is also called syncope, or they're in respiratory depression, uh, we're going to try to snap them out of it with some ammonia inhalant. If they're experiencing an opioid overdose, we would use naloxone or Narcan. And for most emergency situations, except hyperventilation and COPD, we're going to administer oxygen. Okay, so normal vital sign guidelines. Once again, we need to remember the American Heart Association classification of blood pressure for adults, the new classification, so 2017 and beyond as of today. So normal systolic, less than 120 and less than 80 diastolic. Elevated is systolic of 120 to 129 and less than 80 diastolic. Stage 1 hypertension, 130, between 130 and 139 systolic or a diastolic measurement of 80 to 89. Stage 2 hypertension is a systolic reading of 140 or higher or a diastolic reading of 90 or higher. And a hypertensive crisis is a systolic over 180 and or a diastolic over 120. Normal respirations for normal respiration ranges, breaths per minute for an adult is 12 to 20, children 14 to 26, and infants 30 to 60. As a reminder, tachypnea is rapid respirations. It's the most common form in hyperventilation. And bradypnea is slow respirations. For the pulse or the heart rate, tachycardia is a rapid pulse rate, over 100 beats per minute. I remember tachycardia by thinking, oh, it's really tacky that your heart is beating uh, so fast. Bradycardia, slow pulse rate, below 50 beats per minute. So 
high pulse rate over 100 beats, low pulse rate under 50 beats. It's time to remember the ASA classifications, also called the American Society of Anesthesiologists classification, and there are four. ASA 1 is a normal, healthy patient. No apparent disease is evident and requires no dental management modifications. And person in ASA 2 is a patient with mild systemic disease. They may or may not need dental management modifications. Some examples of conditions for ASA 2 include um, well-controlled non-insulin dependent diabetes, asthma, epilepsy, stage one hypertension, and someone who is experiencing a healthy pregnancy. ASA 3 is a patient with moderate to severe systemic disease, but not incapacitating. They may have drug concerns and require special care, and they will most likely require dental management modifications. So these are people with well-controlled insulin-dependent diabetes, stage two hypertension, congestive heart failure, AIDS, and chronic COPD. ASA-4 is someone with severe systemic disease that is incapacitating and life-threatening. If they require dental treatment modifications and they often would be seen in a special facility, so these are people who have severe congestive heart failure or severe COPD are in kidney or liver failure. Remember the five A's of tobacco smoking. Ask, do you smoke? Advise, the importance of quitting. Assess, the level of readiness to quit. Assist, with their attempt to quit. And arrange a quit date and arrange to follow up. Epinephrine, a very important topic. Cardiac patients can have up to two cartridges of anesthetic with epinephrine 1 to 100 thousand or 0.04 milligrams of two cartridges. Do not use epinephrine with people who have asthma, hyperthyroidism, or use cocaine or methamphetamines. Epinephrine has several drug interactions including non-selective beta blockers, cardiac glycosides, Adderall and Ritalin, tricyclic antidepressants, and bupropion. Types of viral hepatitis. Remember that type A and E are from fe a fecal oral source. There's risk, the risks come from poor hygiene. B, C, and D come from blood and bodily fluids and from the use of ID, IV drugs, sex, needle sticks, and perinatal. Hepatitis C. Uh, up to 85% infected have chronic infection. You can only have hepatitis D if you have hepatitis B. Radiology, so tissue sensitivity to radiation. The number one, the highest sensitivity is reproductive tissue. The lowest sensitivity is nerve tissue. 
the maximum permissible dose um, is five rem a year for someone in the occupation or 0 0.05 sieverts a year. Staging of periodontitis. Remember, staging is based upon severity of the disease and the complexity of the treatment. Grading is based on the risk of future disease and the anticipated outcome of treatment. So staging, stage one, the, init the initial stage, one to two millimeters of clinical attachment loss, bone loss in the coronal one-third only, no loss of teeth due to periodontitis, probing depths of four millimeters or less, slight horizontal bone loss, you can treat with scaling and root planing. Stage two is established or moderate periodontitis, three to four millimeters of clinical attachment loss, bone loss in coronal third only, no loss of teeth due to periodontitis, probing depths of up to five millimeters, mostly horizontal bone loss. The treatment includes scaling and root planing. Stage three is severe periodontitis. Five millimeters or more of clinical attachment loss. Bone loss into the middle third of the root. Up to four teeth lost to periodontitis. Probing depths of six millimeters or more. Vertical bone loss. Class two or three for cation involvement. Treatment often includes surgical intervention and replacement of teeth. Stage four is advanced periodontitis, five millimeters or more of clinical attachment loss, bone loss into the middle third of the root, five or more teeth loss due to periodontitis, same as stage three, plus occlusal masticatory dysfunction, secondary occlusal trauma. The treatment would include surgical intervention. Now with grading, it's based on the risk of future disease and the anticipated outcome of the treatment. Grading takes age of the patient into account and includes the risk factors of smoking and diabetes. So grade A is a slow rate of progression. There's no clinical attachment loss or radiographic bone loss over a five-year period. 0.25% bone loss uh, per, per age. So an example is 10% um, bone loss in a 50-year-old patient. 10 divided by 50 would be um, 0.2 or 20%. Patient may have heavy plaque but low levels of periodontal destruction. Non-smoker and patient does not have diabetes. Grade B is a moderate rate of progression, less than two millimeters of bone loss or clinical attachment loss over a five-year period, up to 1% bone loss over their age. Amount of plaque is commiserate with amount of periodontal destruction. The patient is a light smoker or has controlled diabetes, and again, controlled diabetes is an A1C less than 7%.
grade C is rapid rate of progression. It's greater than or equal to two millimeters of bone loss or clinical attachment loss over a five-year period, greater than 1% bone loss over age. The periodontal destruction exceeds expected amount due to amount of plaque. The patient is a heavier smoker or less controlled diabetic. Furcations. We have four classes of furcations, and the best instrument to detect a furcation is a neighbor's probe. Class one furcation, it's early incipient. The probe penetrates the furca no more than one millimeter. Class two is moderate. The probe penetrates more than one millimeter, but not completely through. Class 3 is severe. The probe will pass completely through the furcation in maxillary molars. The probe passes through the mesial buckle and distal buckle and touches the palatal root. Class 4 is same as class 3, but the furcation is clearly visible due to loss of attachment and recession. Another way to consider furcation classifications is by one, it's early evidence of bone loss. The instrument can enter the depression leading to the furcation, and that would be an open triangle. And two would be moderate bone loss. The instrument can enter the furcation but cannot pass between the roots, still an open triangle. Three, severe bone loss. Instrument can pass between the roots and is a filled in triangle. And four, same as class three, but with evidence of recession in triangle. Vitamins and their corresponding deficiencies. So thiamine B1 deficiency, berry, berry. Riboflavin B2, chelosis, glossitis, and fatigue. Niacin B3, pellagra. Folate B9, megaloblastic anemia, and spina bifida. Cobalamin B12, pernicious anemia and sore tongue, which is found in vegans. Vitamin C or ascorbic acid, deficiency is scurvy. Vitamin D, deficiency, rickets and osteomalacia. Vitamin K, hemorrhaging. Hypersensitivity reactions. We have type 1, which is anaphylactic. It's immediate within minutes and can lead to death, and it requires previous exposure to the antigen. It's mediated by IgE, which induces the release of histamine from mast cells and basal cells. Examples are allergy to penicillin, bee sting, and shellfish. Type 2 hypersensitivity reaction is called the cytotoxic. The body attacks its own tissues and it's associated with transplant rejection. It's mediated by the complement system of proteins, IgG, which is the only antibody to cross the placenta and the most abundant antibody, and IgM, which is the largest antibody, are the principal antibodies involved. Some examples of cytotoxic reactions include hemolytic anemia and thrombocytopenia. 
Type 3 is immune complex reactions. These occur when an accumulation of antibody or antigen complexes have not been cleared, and this is associated with autoimmune disorders. This inflammatory state attracts neutrophils. IgG and IgM, once again, are the principal antibodies involved. Examples include rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus erythematous, and serum sickness. And our final hypersensitivity reaction, type 4, which is delayed, typically occurs 48 to 72 hours after antigen exposure. It's been associated with transplant rejection, like type 2, the cytotoxic. Uh, Cell-mediated helper T-cells become sensitized to the antigen. Cytokines are released upon a subsequent exposure to that antigen. Inflammation chemotactically attracts macrophages, leading to antigen destruction. So examples include contact dermatitis, uh, poison ivy, and the tuberculin skin test or the MAN2 reaction. Salivary glands. So there are three major pairs of salivary glands. You have the submandibular, produces 65% of total saliva, and it has the Wharton's duct, empties under the tongue. The sublingual gland produces 10%, has Bartholomew's duct, and empties under the tongue, and it also has multiple ducts of Rivenous that open into the sublingual fold. The parotid gland produces 25% of total saliva and includes the Stenson's duct. Also want to mention papillae, um, filiform, which contain no taste buds, and they are the most numerous papillae. Fungiform, fewer, the larger ones, they contain taste buds. Foliate, um, on the folds of the tongue, they contain taste buds. They're posterior and lateral borders. And then the circumvallate, there's about 8 to 12, um, just anterior to the sulcus terminalis. And these contain taste buds in the glands of von Ebner, the minor salivary glands. Muscles of mastication, they are innervated by the mandibular division of the trigeminal nerve and the blood supply comes from the maxillary artery, which is a branch of the external carotid artery. Our muscles of mastication include the temporalis, which retracts and elevates the mandible. The masseter elevates the mandible. The medial turgoid elevates and protrudes the mandible. And the lateral turgoid, which protrude and or depress the mandible by working with the hyoid muscles and allow the side to side or lateral shift of the mandible. On Old Olympus's towering top, a Finn and a German viewed some hops. Oh, once one takes the anatomy final, very good vacations are heavenly. Cranial nerve study guide, cranial nerve one, olfactory. It's a sensory uh, nerve. It's got the sense of smell. Optic cranial nerve two is also sensory with the sense of sight. Cranial nerve 3, oculomotor, is a motor nerve. Eye muscles, pupil, and lens. 4 is trochlear, um, motor as well, with eye muscles. 5 is trigeminal, it does both sensory and motor. Uh, the ophthalmic, maxillary, and mandibular divisions. 6, abducens, eye muscles, motor.
Seven, facial, both sensory and motor. Muscles of facial expression, taste, anterior two-thirds of tongue, sublingual and submandibular salivary glands. Eight, vestibulocochlear, sensory, sense of balance and hearing. Nine, glossopharyngeal, both motor and sensory, taste and sensation for the posterior one-third of the tongue, and parasynthetic innervation to the parotid gland. Ten, vagus, both sensory and motor, smooth muscles and glands of the body, cardiac muscle. Eleven, accessory, motor, trapezius, sternocleidomastoid, pharynx, and larynx. And 12, hypoglossal motor muscles of the tongue, except palatoglossus, 10 and 11. Our GV Black classification of caries and restorations, class 1, all pits and fissures, class 2, posterior teeth proximals, class 3, anterior teeth proximals, class 4, anterior proximals involving the incisal surface. Class 5 is facial or lingual gingival third, and class 6 is the cusp tip and or incisal edge. Toxicology of fluoride. The certainly lethal dose is the amount of drug likely to cause death. The safely tolerated dose is one-fourth of the certainly lethal dose. If you ingest less than 5 milligrams, the emergency treatment is to administer a fluoride binding agent, such as milk. If you ingest more than 5 milligrams, which would be a toxic dose, induce vomiting, administer the fluoride binding agent, and then seek medical treatment. If more than 15 milligrams, which is a lethal dose, seek medical treatment, induce vomiting, and cardiac monitoring. Um, different concentrations of fluoride include sodium uh, fluoride, which is at 2% or 9,050 parts per million fluoride, um, frequency four times a year. Sodium varnish 5% is 22,600 parts per million, um, three to six months you can apply. Acidulated phosphate 1.23% parts per million fluoride, 12,300. It etches some restorative materials. Stannous fluoride, 8%, um, 19,360 parts per million. Brown staining and occasionally gingival reaction. There is a supplemental fluoride dosage schedule based on age and the concentration of fluoride ion in the drinking water. So from birth to six months, if the concentration is less than 0.3, then there's no dose needed. There's no dose needed at 0.3 to 0.6 or over 0.6 parts per million. If the patient is six months to three years of age and it is less than 0.3 parts per million fluoride ions in the drinking water, you would administer a supplement of 0.25 milligrams per day, none if it's 0.3 or greater parts per million. If the patient is three to six years of age and there's less than 0.3 parts per million, you would administer a supplement of 0.5 milligrams. If it's between 
0.3 and 0.6, you would administer a dose of 0.25 milligrams and none if it's greater than 0.6. If they are 6 to 16 years of age and their fluoride in their drinking water is one uh, less than 0.3 parts per million, then you would administer 1 milligram a day as a supplement between 0.3 and 0.6, you administer 0.5 milligrams a day. And with all of these ages, if there is more than 0.6 parts per million in their drinking water, there is no fluoride supplement necessary. The optimal fluoride level is 0.7 parts per million. Tooth mobility. N is for normal. 1 involves slight horizontal mobility. 2 involves moderate horizontal mobility greater than 1 millimeter with no vertical displacement. 3 involves severe mobility with possible combined horizontal and vertical movement. Methods of sterilization. We have chemical. It's recommended minimum temperatures of 273 degrees Fahrenheit for 20 minutes with a pressure of KPA 25 PSI. The considerations include ventilation. They may damage rubber and plastic items, and the spore test is Geobacillus sterothermophilus. Another method is dry heat, 340 degrees Fahrenheit for one hour or 320 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours. It's recommended for metal instruments. Avoid paper products, may damage rubber and plastic items. Not recommended for hand pieces. The spore test is Bacillus atrophaeus. Steam, recommended minimum sterilization parameters it's 250 degrees Fahrenheit with 15 or 20 pounds per square inch PSI for 30 minutes. This can corrode non-stainless steel instruments, dulls instruments and burrs. It's okay for some plastics, cotton rolls and gauze. Paper packages come out wet and tear. The spore test is Geobacillus sterothermophilus. The Dental Hygiene Code of Ethics purpose is to achieve high levels of ethical consciousness, decision-making, and practice by members of this profession. The core values are veracity, telling the truth, and expecting it of others. Autonomy deals with the patient, not the practitioner's self-determination. Beneficence, doing good, including promoting the well-being of individuals and the public. Justice. Fairness, providing everyone access to high-quality, affordable oral health care. And non-malfeasance, do no harm, deals with the practitioner. We also have confidentiality and societal trust that are important core values. All right, now repeat after me. I know this material. I will pass the national boards. All right, you guys. Do not think about it. Just do it. And take care of yourself, too. I know it's hard and you don't have the time, but refreshing yourself will help you more than anything. It will be over soon and you're going to do great. Here's a study tip. Did you hear a word or a condition you were unfamiliar with? Look it up.
Doing your own research helps you retain knowledge. Teach someone else what you learned. Teaching someone else is a mutual way to retain knowledge and be helpful to others. Thanks for listening to my Smart Smile podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, and review this podcast. If you'd like to know when new podcasts will be dropping, review questions, and more, please follow our Instagram account at mysmartsmile. Hope this podcast helped you get the grade and the name RDH.